All right, we should be live. We're recording. It's raining, so hopefully that doesn't create too much noise in the background. But we will see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. All right. And if you see flashes of light, that's uh, lightning. <laughs> All righty. We're off to the races. How was your day? It was one of those days that felt like it was never going to end. Very uh, slow. You guys got that sale going on. How's, how's everything? Going? Actually, I thought we did, but um, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but it, nothing ended up happening. So. so then why couldn't you wait for it to end? Uh, no, I'm saying it would have been better if we the sale. There was a sale because things would have been busy. And ah, so it's just would have been running around having to take care of stuff. Quiet, boring yeah, type of so. day. Pretty much. Gotcha. So what about we're you? Doing a lot of frames. Why are we dropping frames? Hmm. It's not due to rendering, though. It's due to the network, which connected to the right network, so hopefully it clears up. Uh, how was my day? My day was pretty good. Um, applied to a few jobs. Followed up for scheduling an interview for one job. Um, and then... Well, not then. Uh, what else? Caught up on a bunch of email stuff. Picked up my raw milk. Had a good uh, meeting over the phone with uh, Chandler for Tri Rocket Vendor. And, well, Rocket Vendor. Uh, and then uh, just talking about our email, cold email strategy and uh, some of the bits and pieces to that. And then I had a phone call. Well, I had a webinar that I was listening in on, kind of a businessy sort of webinar. Um, and then I had a phone call with somebody else who I'm helping work on uh, their YouTube channel uh, strategy for stuff. And that was right. actually pretty cool. Part of the reason we were having the phone call is because I think it was yesterday, he actually had a phone call with a major, major household YouTube brand guy um, who, you, like, you totally know if I said the name. And the guy reached out to him out of the blue and was like, hey, I want to chat. <laughs> and uh, so we were talking about that and whatnot. So it's actually pretty cool. Nice. That is cool. <laughs> Sweet. Yes, reinforcement of the idea that uh, which I believe is mathematically based, but you're only uh, three relationships removed from anyone in the world. Cool. But anyway, and That's then cool. I had a awesome uh, thunderstorm, so I came out here and enjoyed that for about an hour. Always exciting. Yeah, dude, it was. I there were multiple just line drive strikes and there was multiple just flashing like blinding light flashing it's like phew, and then the thunder was cracking it's still rolling out there um so it was pretty sweet 
Hi. Which one are you smoking tonight? The Good Life Torpedo. Ah. That one's decent. I want. I feel like that one is probably better in a drier climate. Over here, it kind of it didn't burn super great, so I feel like hopefully it smokes better um, in the drier climate over there. Um, cool. Have you had a knuckle sandwich? <laughs> As in, like a cigar. knuckle sandwich? Oh, a cigar. <laughs> um, I don't think so. Where'd you, uh, uh, where'd they, where'd James, they had, James had one. I, I don't know if it was an LTA um, or if it was in the Facebook group, but he had one on my birthday and uh, it was really, really good. Ooh. I have to look into it. Yeah, I don't, it does, it's not ringing a bell, which means yeah. it shouldn't be LCA or uh, Provada Club, but because I usually at least remember the names if I hear them, but. As possible. So anyway, okay, cool, nice. I was gonna say something, but I don't remember what it was. Oh, uh, how was this weekend moving uh, mom and dad in? It was good. It was uh, wasn't too long. I did a lot of heavy lifting with a couple other guys, but so it was uh, always fun to do that. Um, but we got it done in like an hour and a half. I think there were four boxes. Um, big shipping crate containers, basically. Um, so, yeah, it didn't take too long. So, nice, nice. That's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, we're very, we're very lucky to have a lot of really close family friends and and family too that helped on both ends of that. So, yeah, very cool. Uh, long, long, hard years in the making, but. <laughs> Uh, but tempered, uh, tempered steel for sure. After we were done moving, Kyler and I were, we were having dinner. Well, everyone stayed for dinner after. And so they've got, they've got the sweeping meadow, right? And so Kyler was like, oh, I wonder how long it would take you to run from this side of this meadow to, and then he pointed to like a fence line that was a ways out. And he was like, I wonder how long that would take you in a straight shot and so and i i was looking at not a very good judge of distance but i was looking at i was like oh, i bet i could do that in under two minutes um and he's like there's no way you could do that in under two minutes um and, I, and then i was like well if it's a straight shot because obviously there's like knee thigh high meadow grass so obviously if you're running through the meadow grass yeah you couldn't do that because you'd break your leg um mm-hmm. but i was like if this was like a lawn or something i was like yeah i could do it if it's a straight shot and so we went back and forth about it. We asked a couple of the other guys what they thought. Someone pulled up the exact distance. It was like 610 yards. And then afterwards, Luke Pickerel was there. Um, and he had his, his, he had his watch, which keeps, keeps track of all his activities and everything. And so we tested it out on the road. Um, and sure enough, it was under two minutes for both of us. So <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Gonna, that's what you need if you're going to chase elk. Yeah. Speaking of, I was talking with Dab this week, and I told him I think we should figure out a way to do like a yearly uh, boys trip or something, guys trip or something, and do uh, like a hunting trip or whatever it is. 
Uh, we can do camping and stuff, but hunting's nice because you have like an objective and stuff. Um, but just as we get older, we're all, you know, we're all going in different directions. We're going to have distractions. We're not always going to be able to rely on family vacation. And even that's going to have different flavors over time. Same with Christmas time and whatnot. I think it'd be cool if we try and figure something like that out. Yeah, that would be fun. That'd be a lot of fun. So, and over time, as we all make money, then we can afford to do out of, out of state trips and stuff, which would be kind of cool. Just a way to, you know, I, there, I, you know, there's a number of families and whatnot out there in the world that have that sort of thing. And I think it's kind of cool. And honestly, I kind of started thinking about it because I was watching the deer meat for dinner episodes and he's had some really good ones lately fishing in Alaska. And he's the last couple, two or three, he's been taking his little, I think six year old out to go fishing. And she's so cool. She's awesome. She's super cute. But she's also, you know, like, I love cutting up bait. And she's like, this is me cutting up bait in the camera. And she's like, cutting it up. <laughs> like, That's awesome. And then she's like dropping her bait in the water, catching her fish, reeling it in. Just <laughs> super cool. And I was just like, this is such an awesome thing to do with your family, you know? And it was a way bigger part of my childhood um, in general growing up. And even, and it's not like, you know, it wasn't even as if I went on, you know, maybe a handful of actual trips, but I was around the scene a lot more than I feel like you guys have been just overall. Um, mm -hmm. And it's something that's a, definitely a part of my heart and it would be super cool if we could invest in that a little bit somehow. But yeah, it got me, it, dude, it literally had me looking at jobs in central Oregon so I could come hang out with <laughs> you guys and we could do stuff. <laughs> the problem is there's no real jobs out there that are, the right you should flavor. come you should come i think luke needs a new coo so come be his uh chief operating officer i thought about uh i mean i'm probably not quite qualified close but not quite but uh i thought about though i could get up to speed pretty quick um i bet but anyway yeah i actually uh i was gonna talk to dad and ask him if uh if i could um in the virus protection thing uh ask him if i could talk to luke um just because i would be curious on to hear you know kind of he's a a different type of professional and he's a different type of age and has a different type of experience than a lot of other people that i have interacted with and whatnot so i would be curious to to you know kind of pick his brain and see what he had to say um if he was open and available to that you should. Of course, you move down here, and then I'd move up to Minnesota next year. So, well, yeah, it's my fault for leading the charge, though. So, I can't blame you for it. <laughs> yeah. The problem is, I don't want to live there. I don't want to live in, you know, a state where the laws are kind of. I want to get away from politics, and Ben has gotten very politicky. <laughs> well. Yeah, you've gotten the wrong politics. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, leave me alone. <laughs> I'm tired of being yelled at. But, uh, but I have been wondering lately if, if maybe I'm supposed to be reconsidering. And it might, this might not be true. This is just a thought that I've been having is whether or not I'm supposed to be reconsidering my desire and, and intention to move down to Texas just because, right, I, I, I went down there, I visited, and I thought, this is what I want to do boom started putting things in place to pull the trigger 
a week later, job, you know, we have to close down the company that I'm working uh, to build. Okay, yeah. well, I don't want to jump ship too quickly. Let's pause, which is a good thing I did because, you know, still don't have a job. Um, and so I'm like, all right, you know, pause, 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 pause. Then I'm thinking, all right, well, I need to consolidate my finances and things like that. It makes sense to go ahead and uh, lease out, rent out my condo, cover the expenses for that, and then I can go stay with you know somebody for free um, or something. Just keep my expenses super dirt cheap, or at least at like mm -hmm. a minimum or not minimum wage, um, uh, unemployment costs level or whatever. And then I so I put that in motion. A week later, there's a leak in my bathroom that I have to take care of. And in order to take care of it, right, in order to, I've got to contact the owner. I've got to get his insurance company information. I've got to go through the insurance process for whatever the heck that's going to look like to get the money to fix it, right? Then I have to go to the HOA board and I have to follow whatever documentation, approval, blah, 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 process that they have, which is going to be total pain in the neck. Uh, and then I can finally, you know, and that could, that process, that whole thing could be two, three months. Who the heck knows? So, uh, I, you know, I was talking with dad. I think the plan is going to be for me to stay here at least through uh, the middle of September with uh, the wedding right. and everything. But, um, but, you know, it's just, got, and then as soon as I start to do those things, I've got three or four warm job leads. <laughs> so I don't really know what's going on, but it has got me wondering as I, like, you know, maybe I am supposed to do something different or whatever. Uh, you know, I don't know, but. It had me. It had me questioning that for sure. Yeah. So we'll see. Do you have a chance to uh, listen or read any uh, good content the last week? No, I don't. I can't say that I dived into anything too serious or worthy of note. Do you have any thoughts worthy of note? I don't think so. By the way, I'm not drinking uh, whiskey tonight. I'm having a seltzer because I thought I was supposed to be 85 plus degrees out here. And, you know, alcohol just makes you hot or makes me hot. So I didn't want to deal with it. <laughs> but it actually cooled down. It's 65 or 70 right now. <laughs> I figure it's going to be warm on the outside. Might as well be warm on the inside, too. Well, it was, dude, it was... Uh, well, I know you guys had some, a couple hot days, but today... 97 today. <laughs> yesterday was perfect, and then today it spiked right back up, and it was... I think it was technically 92, but the real feel with the humidity and everything was 98. Yeah, oh, did warm. you see that lightning strike? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bright one. That's what I mean by just straight blinding white. Just like... Uh, and I, a couple of them, I was staring right at it, right when it struck. It was just directly out there. It's the thunder. Um, but anyway, uh, are you gonna are you gonna watch? Can you hear it? The thunders are getting noise canceled out. Yeah, I can hear it. <laughs> Stumping away. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, uh, are you gonna watch uh, "Scent of a Woman"? Oh, yeah, at some point. Okay. I was trying to decide if I should spoil it or not. 
to a certain extent. I don't plan on watching it anytime soon. <laughs> so yeah, I got a lot of things on my list. Yeah. Well, let's see here. All right. So notifications. All right. So one of the things I did is I watched a reaction to the movie Scent of a Woman, which the first, I the first I don't know third two th- real really two thirds or so, it's kind of it's a little crude, crass, and a little tough on the on the emotions to watch, but I find the last third really wraps it up well, and I I enjoy the movie a lot, and and, uh, and I enjoy the situation that it develops. And I, so I would generally recommend watching it. There are some, you know, mature themes and things like that and jokes and whatever, or even just commentary. Um, it's not ubiquitous or replete with them, but it's definitely shows up. And the, so, the, but the basic premise is an old blind retired Colonel war hero decorated many times over and he's very crotchety. And then there's a young boy from uh, a high school, so I think he's 17 or so, who's a very a nice kind of sweet boy, and he's taking care of him for like a you know a weekend job or whatever. And uh, and while he's right before he leaves, he gets into trouble at school, not through any fault of his own. And so the end towards the end of the movie, or basically the end of the movie, there's a basically a, a hearing for the situation that the boy got caught up in and the retired army colonel you know ends up you know befriending him and being nice to him and basically shows up and sits by his side at the hearing and then he kind of gives a speech at the end there's a little bit of back and forth and there's a little bit of language um in it but i thought i would read it because i think it's really good and uh and strong so and and you know, positive. So all right, here here uh, here goes. There's, I'll try and uh, identify the back and forth as I read. And if you don't want anything spoiled, just uh, skip forward. You know, I don't know. It'll probably take me sixty seconds or whatever to read this. All right. This is the uh, principal, and then Frank is the army colonel. Principal. I'm going to recommend to the disciplinary committee that you be expelled, Mr. Sims. You are a cover-up artist and you are a liar. Frank, but not a snitch. Principal, excuse me? Frank, no, I don't think I will. Mr. Slade. Frank, this is such a crock of shit. Principal, please watch your language, Mr. Slade. You are in the Baird School, not a barracks. Mr. Sims, I give you one final opportunity to speak up. Frank, Mr. Sims doesn't want it. He doesn't need to be labeled still worthy of being a bared man. What the hell is that? What is your motto here? Boys, inform on your classmates. Save your hide. Anything short of that, we're going to burn you at the stake? Well, gentlemen, when the shit hits the fan, some guys run and some guys stay. Here's Charlie facing the fire, and there's George hiding in Big Daddy's pocket. And what are you doing? You're going to reward George and destroy Charlie. Frank, are you finished, Mr. Slade? Or, sorry, Principal, are you finished, Mr. Slade? Frank, no, I'm just getting warmed up. I don't know who went to this place, 
William Howard Taft, William Jennings Bryan, William Tell, whoever. Their spirit is dead, if they ever had one. It's gone. You're building a rat ship here, a vessel for seagoing snitches. And if you think you're going to be preparing these minnows for manhood, you better think again. Because I say you are killing the very spirit this institution proclaims it instills. What a sham. What kind of show are you guys putting on here today? I mean, the only class in this act is sit the only class in this act is sitting next to me. I'm here to tell you this boy's soul is intact. It's non-negotiable. You know how I know? Someone here, and I'm not going to say who, offered to buy it. Only Charlie here wasn't selling. Principal, sir, you are out of order. Frank, out of order? I'll show you out of order. You don't know what out of order is, Mr. Trask. I'd show you, but I'm too old. I'm too tired. I'm too fucking blind. If I was the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. Out of order. Who the hell do you think you're talking to? I've been around, you know. There was a time I could see, and I've seen boys like these, younger than these, their arms torn out, their limbs ripped off. But there isn't nothing like the sight of an amputated spirit. There is no prosthetic for that. You think you're merely sending this splendid foot shoulder soldier back to home to Oregon with his tail between his legs, but I say you are executing his soul. And why? Because he's not a bared man. Bared men. Yeah, you hurt this boy. You're going to be a bared bums, the lot of you. And Harry, Jimmy, Trent, wherever you're out there, fuck you too. Principal, stand down, Mr. Slade. Frank, I'm not finished. As I came in here, I heard these, those words, cradle of leadership. Well, when the bow breaks, the cradle will fall. And it has fallen here. It has fallen. Makers of men, creators of leaders. Be careful what kind of leaders you're producing here. I don't know if Charlie's silence here today is right or wrong. I'm not a judge or jury. But I can tell you this. He won't sell anybody out to buy his future. And that, my friends, is called integrity. That's called courage. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of. Now I've come to the crossroads in my life. I always knew what the right path was. Without exception, I knew. But I never took it. You know why? Because it was too damn hard. Now here's Charlie. He's come to the crossroads. He's chosen a path. It's the right path. It's a path made of principle that leads to character. Let him continue on this journey. You hold this boy's future in your hands, committee. It's a valuable future, believe me. Don't destroy it. Protect it. Embrace it. It's going to make you proud one day. I promise you. So, that's the speech, which I don't know if that took longer than 60 seconds. <laughs> I uh, I tried to incorporate a little bit of the uh, phrasing and character of Mr. Frank Slade, but just because I've seen the clip a few a few times. <laughs> But I really like it because I, I like it for a couple of reasons. One, I like that he, Frank, is identifying some really core principles of leadership and nurturing of leadership. And then I like, and he's defending them. And then I like that he, I like the dichotomy he draws between his life, despite being a decorated soldier and whatnot. The fact that he always knew what the right path was. He just never took it because it was, quote unquote, too damn hard. And Charlie's facing essentially a similar path, but he's choosing to walk the upright path. 
And what's happening? It's pretty dang hard to walk because of what he's being accused of and being set up for, etc. And then how he ends, you know, hey, this is something that you should embrace. Um, you know, this is something you should protect. It's going to make you proud one day. And I just really, really like that. Um, so anyway, it's something I came across that I would share. <laughs> right. But it's definitely oh, cool. something that I've thought about a fair bit relative to the the right path being hard and difficult because, and it's not just always that it's as blatantly in your face as, you know, this circumstance was and Charlie sticking up for his principles. But it's, if you think about kind of falling into the trap of culture and falling into the trap of, of peer pressure, societal influence, and whatever it may be. And you can take that to the extreme, uh, you know, you know, from, you know, my perspective is, you know, living, you know, what we would refer to as um, promiscuously or sinfully or uh, becoming a liar or a cheat or a bully or, a, you know, whatever it may be. But there's also, you know, um, essentially a, uh, maybe what you could call it a difficulty creep, which is you start instead of doing the hard thing, like, you know, this is a, a, an example from my life, instead of doing a hard thing, like reading one of the 5,000 books on my to do or to read lists for half an hour or 30 minutes or uh, an hour or whatever, you know, I end up, I'll scroll through YouTube shorts and I'll watch a hundred shorts, right? Is that is that really a good use of my time, even if it's, you know, making me laugh at a joke or whatever, reminding me of some fun scene from a movie or a show that I've watched in the past? Is that actually a uh, a forward thinking use of my time? And am I actually acting in accordance with the principles that I believe that I state and that I want to hold true? Now, of course, doing this once in a while is fine, but it always starts out as once in a while. And then before you know it, you have three, four, five scrolling sessions a day, 70% of your day is gone. And it's not as if you're setting yourself up to be more mentally acute or more sharp in the 30% that's left. It's a degrading, it's a, it's, it's a, it's, it's a detrimental creep. Um, and it's a difficulty creep. And that's just even a, a, a an individual thing. Mm -hmm. And that's, I, that's part of why I, I, I'm happy and glad that he identifies the outcome or the uh, the result of maintaining principle is not, I'm extrapolating a little bit here, but it's not just that, oh, you become successful by sticking to your principles, right? Plenty of unprincipled men have been, quote unquote, successful from the, you know, general society's standards. Um, and even if they don't like them, they've still been successful. But do you think that that individual was necessarily proud of themselves? Even if society looks up to them and says, dang, that guy is really successful. Do you think society looks at them and goes, we're really proud of that individual and who they stand for and what they exist for? The answer is no. Holy crap. Major lightning strike. <laughs> and so... To a certain extent, 
I like that as a metric. And the question I think you have to ask yourself to a certain to a certain degree is are my actions, is my action something that I will be proud of when I'm done? Again, kind of hearkening back to what we talked about last week is it's not always a question of can you find motivation in the moment as much as can you find motivation from the from how you feel after you're done or from next week looking back it's not necessarily will make you feel better in the moment but a week from now tomorrow etc you'll likely feel better for having done it followed through whatever it may be yeah so anyway along those lines I started this new book, uh, the one I'm reading with Cambria, and I, I came across it because Joe Rogan recommended it on his Instagram, and I bought it right away because I knew that it seemed like something I'd be interested in, which I'll get into, but I bought it right away because I knew as soon as he you know, noted it, the price would skyrocket, and I think the price went up by 300%, I think, between when I bought it and when Cambria was trying to buy it. Wow. Um, but it's called the war of art break through the blocks and win your inner creative battles. And the reason I picked it up is because I thought I'm trying to be better at identifying and uh, exercising my creative, whatever within me that might be creative. And -hmm. I thought it might speak to that. It might be kind of helpful, whether it's from a writing perspective or a logo or marketing perspective or whatever. Turns out as I started reading it, the book is actually written by a a fiction author and essentially the entire well not essentially the entirety of the book is about what he refers to as resistance capital R so here is how he defines resistance I can find it here uh, this is from the foreword written by Robert McKee not the author To begin book one, Pressfield, the author, labels the enemy of creativity resistance, capital R, his all-encompassing term for what Freud called the death wish, that destructive force inside human nature that rises whenever we consider a tough, long-term course of action that might do good for us or others sometimes or something that's actually good. And so that's one example. All right. Let's see here. And here's kind of the first uh, first little bit from the first chapter, just give you an idea of the author and kind of the book. Most of us have two lives, the life we live and the unlived life within us. Between the two stands resistance. Have you ever brought home a treadmill and let it gather dust in the attic? Ever quit a diet, a course of yoga, a meditation practice? Have you ever bailed out on a call to embark on a spiritual practice? Dedicate yourself to a humanitarian calling. Commit yourself or commit your life to the service of others? Have you ever wanted to be a mother, a doctor, an advocate for the weak and helpless, to run for office, crusade for the planet, campaign for world peace, or to preserve the environment? Late at night, have you experienced a vision of the person you might become, the work you could accomplish, the realized realized being you were meant to be? Are you a writer who doesn't write, a painter who doesn't paint, an entrepreneur who never starts a venture? Then you know what resistance is. Resistance is the most toxic force on the planet. 
It is the root of more unhappiness than poverty, disease, and erectile dysfunction. <laughs> to yield to resistance deforms our spirit. It strunts us and makes us less than we were, or less than we are, and were born to be. And then he kind of continues from there. I think this book is awesome. I am going to recommend it to everyone uh, that I come across. And it is just really speaking to a lot of things that I've been struggling with or, you know, not struggling, struggling against. And it's got me thinking a lot about uh, resistance, which we'll get into a little bit. But I wanted to pull a couple things. So one is I think this ties falls on from what I was talking about or what you know Frank was talking about in terms of the path being the reason he didn't choose the you know the principled path is because it was too damn hard and Charlie choosing it in the face of difficulty. Um, okay. Well, I might talk about resistance first and then go into the second piece. One of the things that I've gotten, I'm only about 45, 50 some pages in. One of the things that I've gotten from the book, which I've actually been closing in on of my own accord. Hey, beautiful rainbow out there in the distance. One of the things that I've been closing in on the book really drew out was one of the forms of dealing with resistance is to distract yourself. So Instead of doubling down on one, two, or three projects, you create 50 projects and you get nothing done. But because you have 50 projects, you have stuff going on, and that means that you're making progress, and that means your things are happening, blah, blah, blah. It's not. That's just you giving into resistance. That's you accepting resistance creep. And I feel like I've actually kind of done that. Now, I've done that unknowingly in an effort to overcome resistance uh, from outside external forces, but I think that I've actually dug myself into a bit of a hole like that. And I think uh, one of the things that, well, I don't think, one of the things that I'm going to do is I'm going to try and cut two or three things out of my life that were parts of projects or were projects or whatever in an effort to consolidate focus so that I can be linear and make what I have or the projects that I really want to invest in better and excellent versus having a bunch of ones that are distracting and I end up not doing anything because I don't want to do any of them. And yeah. and so, and if you think about it, what's easier, this is something else, how I would put it, what's easier if you have 10 projects and, or, you know, I don't know, it's maybe extreme, six projects and you have stuff in them on all of them that you need to do, none of what you want to do. Is it easier to slough off on all six projects because it's just this big kind of mass of like, I don't want to, or is, or is that easier or is it easier to, when it comes from the standpoint of overcoming resistance, or is it easier to overcome resistance when you have two or three focused projects of things you don't want to do? I definitely think it's the latter. Mm -hmm. And so that's uh, something that I'm going to, I'm going to put into my life a little bit more um, intentionally. Well, not a more a little bit. I'm going to put that into my life intentionally, and so I really like that a lot, and it's been very helpful and clarifying for a lot of the uh, chaotic darkness that I've been trying to sift through and the creative, un, you know, undesire <laughs> to uh, work on some of my projects. Okay, different subject from the same book. Uh, well, it's not. It's the same subject relative to the book. I'm pulling it, extrapolating it out, and applying it to a different subject, or noting it on a different subject. 
So he talks about kind of the despair within society. And this is a part I underlined. What exactly is this despair? It is the despair of freedom, the dislocation and emasculation experienced by the individual cut free from the familiar and comforting structures of the tribe and the clan, the village and the family. It is the state of modern life. That's the background. And then the uh, the lens that I, or the, the topic that I'm using the lens here in the book to look at is kind of the current political and social state of our current situation. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've got to keep my cigar going because it's uh, raining and it's moist out here. <laughs> okay. Here's what he says. But the fundamentalist reserves his greatest creativity for the fashioning of Satan, the image of his foe in opposition to which he defines and gives meaning to his own life. Like the artist, the fundamentalist experiences resistance. He experiences it as a temptation to sin. Resistance to the fundamentalism is the call of the evil one seeking to seduce him from his virtue. The fundamentalist is consumed with Satan, whom he loves as he loves death. It is this co- co- uh, coincidence that the suicide bombers of the World Trade Center frequented strip clubs during their training, or that they conceived of the reward as a squadron of virgin bride and the license to ravish them in the flesh pots of heaven. The fundamentalist hates and fears women because he sees them as vessels of Satan, temptress like Delilah, who seduced Samson from his power. To combat all of sin, i.e. resistance, the fundamentalist purge, plunges either into action or into the study of sacred texts, right? Goes on and on and on. When the fundamentalist wins, the world enters a dark age. Yet still, I can't condemn one who is drawn to this philosophy. I consider my own inner journey, the advantages I've had of education, affluence, family, support, health, and the blind good luck to be born American, and I still have learned to exist as an autonomous individual, if indeed I have, only by a whisker, and at a cost I would hate to have to reckon up. It may be that the human race is not ready for freedom. The air of liberty may be too rarefied for us to breathe. Certainly, I wouldn't be writing this book on this subject if living with freedom were easy. The paradox, it seems to be, as Socrates demonstrated long ago, that the truly free individual is only free to the extent of his own self-mastery, while those who will not govern themselves are condemned to find masters to govern over them. So two things that I extrapolated when I was reading that. One is I liked the ident- uh, really liked the identification of the fundamentalists reserves his greatest creativity for the fashioning of Satan, the image of his foe in opposition to which he defines and gives meaning to his own life. That's exactly what I see everywhere I turn when I look at this political sphere. People on the right, con- you know, fashioning Satan of the people on the left, and the people on the left fashioning Satan of the people on the right. And this is, again, in the political sphere, not necessarily in normal daily life of the vast majority of Americans, but still, right? And this is the spirit that emphasizes, or uh, and emphasizes, um, I guess, the spirit that engenders, not really what I was going for, but that engenders the what you see in the vast majority of protests, what you see in the vast majority of right or left wing articles and content, uh, what you see in the vast majority of Instagram posts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's this fashioning of Satan. It's this thing that I've, I've hated for a long time. And I, I think I wrote about it at one point 
um, potentially. I, I have to dig up the article. But essentially, when you look at, say, William Wilberforce, and we're talking about slavery, right? When you look at William Wilberforce, William Wilberforce did not, his call to action, his existence was not defined by his stance against old white men or whatever who, who, who owned slaves, right? Or who were uh, perpetrators of the slave trade. He was not against them. He was for the abolition of slavery. He was for something positive versus against something negative. Or uh, uh, like that's what emanated or uh, drove his inner existence um, on, mm -hmm. in, in the political sphere. A positive energy versus a negative, nasty energy. Um, and so, and the same with Martin Luther King, like another great example. He was not, you know, there's a reason his I have a dream speech, you know, was I have a dream, not, you know, I have a revolution or whatever, you know, um, which you know, to, to quote, uh, you know, to be fair, revolution has gotten many cultures, many different places. <laughs> and so it's not, I'm not trying to draw too black and white of a picture here as much as I'm trying to identify or call out emanating attitudes uh, and philosophies that are so inculcated in, you know, in political life. Okay. The other second thing from that little bit was I loved the, how he wrapped up. I, certainly I wouldn't be writing this book on this subject. If living with freedom were easy, the paradox seems to be as Socrates demonstrated so long ago, that the truly free individual is free only to the extent of his own self-mastery, while those who will not govern themselves are condemned to find masters to govern them. And I just think that's really strong and, and important to keep in mind when we're talking about working through our own thoughts and considerations on, uh, on philosophy, on living our lives and conducting our lives and what we're filling our time with, etc. cetera. Mm -hmm. This is something Jocko talks a lot about, right? And, and Jordan Peterson, to be fair, this kind of, it's essentially the discipline equals freedom, but it's not unique to them. It goes back to Socrates and I'm sure, you know, well before that. So I just really liked that and thought it was a very strong reminder on, on all those things. Any, uh, thoughts on your end or how it strikes you or on any of those things i talked for probably too long there <laughs> not a whole lot um I, I would be more curious about the idea he's trying to express in the fashioning of statements um well i think that's more of a i think i think that is an objective an objective reality versus a, a subjective worldview or opinion. So here's um, here's the two preceding paragraphs. Maybe it sheds a little light on it. The fundamentalist, or more accurately, the beleaguered individual who comes to embrace fundamentalism, cannot stand freedom. He cannot find his way into the future, so he retreats to the past. He returns in imagination to the glory days of his race and seeks to reconstitute both them and himself in their purer, more virtuous light. He gets back to basics, to fundamentals. Fundamentalism and art are mutually exclusive. 
There is no such thing as fundamentalist art. This does not mean that the fundamentalist is not creative. Rather, his creativity is inverted. He creates destruction. Even the structures he builds, the schools and networks of organization are dedicated to annihilation of his enemies and of himself. So that's what he's talking about in terms of fashioning Satan, is rather than, uh, let's take the abortion issue, right, which is still uh, a, a worm topic, shall we say. And what I've seen a lot of is, here's a great, here's a great case in point. I saw a particular Instagram account, and they uh, showed a pregnancy care center, which had been, um, I think, on the sidewalk or on the side of the building, someone had tagged whatever they had tagged, you know, with spray paint. And the, you know, the bold headline title is Pregnancy Care Center Attacked, right? Mm -hmm. That is a fashioning of Satan, in my opinion, relative to this book. Because I don't think a graffiti tag is the same thing as, say, smashing the windows, which happened to a another pregnancy care center uh, up in near Portland, for instance. Mm -hmm. And the, you know, actual destruction, straight up destruction of property and tens of thousands of dollars, et cetera. Right. And actually put, even putting people's lives at risk from the weather, et cetera. A lot of people actually need, you know, these care centers. Right. So I obviously don't agree with tagging the building. It's not something I would ever do or condone or be a fan of or anything. But that's not the same as an attack. Right. But because the organ, you know, on the you know, my perspective, generally speaking, on the positive side, right, the people who are trying to care for people who are pregnant, trying to make sure they have information and have the care that they need and all this sorts of stuff, right? The, they go out, they say that this is an attack, right? And it riles up the whole base, the whole fundamentalist base. Oh my gosh, they attack, ah, right? The person that did that should blah, 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 right? It makes, it creates this fashions, this, you know, fundamentalist versus the, the Satan that they fashion instead of actually identifying accurately and proportionally what took place and because when satan acts it's a hundred percent pure evil versus when in the cacophony of human action not all of it is pure evil and it's not the same action a graffiti tag for instance is not the same action as smashing the windows or setting something on fire or whatever it may be um and it's not the vandalism though it is still vandalism, but it's not the same. It's it, it, and you're treating a hundred percent of the situations the same, and it's the perspective right. that's being engendered, inculcated, and 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 cultured into the group, and so that's what I think he means by fashioning Satan. And that could, I mean, that's true of that. That the example that obviously he pulled out was, um, you know, the the World Trade Center bombing people is, you know, they had this idea of, you know. Oh, you know, they didn't like the freedom. They didn't like the trajectory of things. They want to get back to fundamentalist um, Islam, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Right. And so they, that was their, there was their version of fashioning Satan. And, you know, they went and killed, you know, 3,000, 3,000 some hundred people in, uh, in just the World Trade Center bombing. Obviously, it had a bigger impact overall on deaths. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. My cigar is out. You'll have to entertain the people for. A second. I gotta go get more uh my lighter. <laughs> All right. I'm back. I should have muted myself or uh, turned off. I should have muted and turned off the video camera. Should have getting up and messing it up. But we, well, I'll just edit it out. Uh, uh, back in the swing of things.
Does that uh, is that help clarify the issue? Yeah, a, a little bit. I mean, I think it comes down to the motive in the end, which is kind of hard to narrow down. Yeah. Did you already finish your cigar? No, it's just really, really warm. So. Yeah, I was not impressed with the construction on that. I was enjoying it. Tasted good. Didn't smell too well. Well, yeah, I mean, you're still, what, 90 degrees over there? Yeah. Temperature-wise, it's beautiful. It's 88% humidity, though, right now. I just asked as I, when I went in the house. <laughs> good smoke output. Hard to keep it lit. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, all right. I got a great text. Let's go. I'm one of the the guy I was telling you I'm helping with some of the YouTube strategy stuff and whatnot. He was texting. Yeah. Me. I found uh I found the guy where he needs to hire somebody for some of the stuff, and he's like, I just found the guy. He's awesome. <laughs> Let's go. Nice. <laughs> Let's go. That's awesome. W. Um. Uh, okay. Notes. Didn't open up before. I was going off memory from before. All right. Call of the man notes. All right. One of the things I was thinking about was I was watching a reaction to Batman. <laughs> and I love how I get Which one? my, uh, the first one. I love how, or no, 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 the third one. And I love how I get so much of my content ideas and thoughts from, uh, that's the way I am. I'll be watching something and it could be totally unrelated and boom, shakes out. Uh, the Matrix does its thing and out pops a, a super idea, you know, a super thought. <laughs> Okay, so I was watching the Batman, third Batman, right? Uh, Dark Knight Rises, and we're watching reaction. And in it, at the towards the end, right, that uh, Catwoman goes, "You've given these people everything, right?" Batman's what is Batman's response? I don't remember. Got to watch more reactions. <laughs> uh, he says, "Not everything," and it's just like, "Oh, dang!" moment, right? And we find that moment just, you know, inspirational, right? That is some hard stuff right there, you know? And we all know it's portending him, his death, essentially, right? And, you know, he ends up making it out, right? But at the, in the moment, it's portending his death and his sacrifice, which we, I mean, plenty right. of other stories have actually given everything. Uh, individuals and other stories. And the thing that stood out to me or the thing that yeah that jumped out at me was we find that so inspirational like oh yeah batman he hasn't given everything you know dang mm -hmm. inspirational right but then if you were to turn around and you were to ask yourself look yourself in the mirror and say are you giving yourself everything what would the answer be no no exactly and on the one hand that's okay. You know, maybe you don't have to be, not everybody has to be Batman. Not everybody has to, you know, commit, uh, sacrifice themselves as epic as that might be. But at the same time, why do we find it inspirational? And the reason we find it inspirational is because it strikes us as a noble thing. It strikes us as a righteous thing to a certain extent. It strikes us as a sacrificial thing. And Yet, when we conduct, go about conducting our own lives, we don't live our lives in accordance with what, you know, with, with that 
perspective of things that, you know, what can you do that's inspiring? And maybe that's sitting right. out and watching a sunrise. Maybe that's sitting in a cubicle, running a spreadsheet, whatever the heck. Who cares? Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I'll bet 100% of our, you know, listeners are not giving themselves everything, despite probably finding that moment inspirational. And that applies to, you know, the two of us, hopefully less and less and, you know, continue to battle away. Um, but I feel like that's something to think about when it comes to, you know, we, we have all these heroes and these things we are drawn to and we love. And, you know, how I, I was watching the, uh, the reaction I sent you to John Wick, you know, three guys are reacting to John Wick, right? And all three of them are like, oh, John Wick is such a badass. This was today. Uh, John Wick, I think it was today. John Wick is such a badass and oh my gosh, he's so cool and awesome. And dang, you know, don't mess with John Wick, blah, 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 blah. Right. You think all any, you know, do you think any of them went to the gym afterwards? Do you think any of them, you know, it's stopped eating some chips, you know, too many chips or, you know, eating Cheetos by the handful or, you know, drinking garbage, cancer water, soda, (laughs) right? Whatever. Right. Do you think that that happened? No, it didn't. So why aren't, why, what is stopping us from taking the content and the elements within our lives that we find inspirational and applying it to our own life. Now, consider this. Throughout history, I take uh, we'll stick with Greek stuff because it's stuff I know that that you know the best, but or no better anyway. But it's been you know in every single civilization, civilization, right? They had their heroes of their culture and of their writings and of their. Um, through their oral tradition until they started writing it down, et cetera, et cetera, right? So take, you know, the um, Homer's Odyssey, right? Odysseus, boom, 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 huge, massive story, you know, yeah, story getting mm-hmm. home. And you've got Achilles and you've got all the Greek stories and Greek gods. And the Greeks found this all inspirational. Now, how did the Greeks end up living out their lives? Well, they actually, to a certain extent, actually kind of executed and supported the people in their culture that were their warriors, were their gladiators, were their epic statesmen, et cetera, et cetera. It, it actually kind of, I'm, I'm making this up as I go, this is talk to think at this point. I didn't think about this before. <laughs> um, right? But it was actually a part of the inculcation of their culture, the development of their culture. And it was integrated. Yeah. And I feel like it's not integrated in our culture in nearly the same way. Now, maybe that's because I'm an idiot and I wasn't in Greece and apparently, you know, it turns out, 70% of the Greece people were total dingbats. You know, I don't know. Yeah. But at the same time, right, I feel anyway that there was, you know, there was more correlation between the society, how the society executed and the values and whatnot it upheld and pursued and held the standards it held its sons and daughters and itself to and the relationship, it had a closer relationship to their heroes than like what we have today. Yeah, and I don't know what that is or why that would be, but it jumped out at me, and it made me want to execute my life in a way that's uh, the co- that that is comprised of the things that I find inspiring. Now, again, I think you have to kind of do some mental gymnastics because for me that might mean sitting my butt in my chair and getting 20 applications out or actually doing some research on a you know for this YouTube content strategy stuff that I'm trying to help with or you know uh, actually writing some of my thoughts down that I should be writing down and actually trying to develop 
you know, working on the podcast, instead of just sending it to the editor, maybe actually saying, hey, can you cut this part? Hey, can you tweak that? Hey, what about this tweak? Blah, blah, blah. You know, actually investing in the content versus just sending it mm-hmm. out, uploading it, sending it out, uploading it, uh, et cetera. And so, you know, I, I, that's not the same as saying, all right, I'm going to go to the, you know, gladiator ring and, you know, get my, uh, get my uh, testosterone on. Um, but yeah, the same so. things, I mean, it also applies to working out. Should I have worked out today? Yes. Did I? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> why? Because I was kind of lazy. Not in, not as much as lazy as other days, but it wasn't as if I didn't have extra time that I spent watching an extra YouTube, you know, hitting a couple extra scrolls, whatever it may be. Um, so, yeah. Why do you think it is that there's a disconnect between the things that we are inspired by and the way in which we live our lives? Because it's easy to see the things we're inspired by as unachievable. So take those guys watching John Wick, for example. They see John Wick in a fictional story performing fictional action that's what fictional action are in, talking about? In, he does in, his own stunts. Well, <laughs> I don't know. But the scenario is fictional. Um, well, first of all, they don't see it as reality. And the disconnect lies in identifying the inspiration and then correlating it to how it applies to your life. Because they see John Wick and they're, you know, obviously not thinking about it on a deep level, but it's awesome action, right? But they're not seeing John Wick and thinking, oh, I can work out and be in shape. And, you know, they're seeing John Wick doing jujitsu and shooting people with a gun, right? So I think that's where the disconnect lies in. That makes sense. But then why, why do, if it's so, it's getting quite the lightning shift, if it's so disconnected from our reality, why do we find it inspirational? Well, I don't think it is disconnected from our reality. I think that the inspiration is uh, misaligned. So, Whereas someone that's like you, that's thinking about it on a deeper level, can identify that inspiration and then look at the circumstances that make up your life, you can then step forward and analyze and know, okay, I can take this inspiration and this is how it applies to my specific circumstances versus the average bear, which is just out there thinking, oh, this is, this, that was great, you know, but they don't know how to take that inspiration that's up here and apply it to their life, which is down here. Okay. That makes sense. I like that. Why do you think, why do you think that is? Why do you think that there's a, there's a distance there between the feeling of emotion and the the channeling of that into um, into action is it because 
they didn't go to college yet or whatever, or they just didn't, you know, read the right book, or they just didn't have the right parents, or just they didn't have the right society. Like, what is the reason or reasons that really are the catalyst for that disconnect in thought, emotion and thought? I think that it can be traced back to simple laziness and or a lack of responsibility for your own circumstances. Yeah, but okay, but both of because those things I, are internally chosen, so to speak. So mm -hmm. why are those inculcated? Like why are why are those chosen? Because vice is easier than virtue. It's Naturally, like, it's you like, mean? It's like, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, if you're not thinking about it in these terms, then how do you know how to apply it? So it's like looking at someone that's in shape and being inspired by their 10-year journey and not willing to go on a 10-year journey yourself. So you like the result, but you're not willing to put the work in to achieve said result. Well, yes, but that's different than what you were saying at the initially, which was that they don't even know to make the correlation between the journey, the inspiration and the journey. Like there's just a there's just the inspiration and then there's, you know, a gap. Well, I, I yeah. I don't know if that's what I was trying to communicate as in the sense that. It's not as much as they don't know, as much as they're just not thinking about it in intellectual terms. They're just seeing it on the face value. They're not. Gotcha. Okay. But so then why aren't they thinking about it on intellectual terms? Or Because they're dumb. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> don't be dumb, folks. That's all we got for you this week. <laughs> no. Kidding, but, um... Well, okay, but like, what's wrong with that? Let's just run with that for fun, right? The answer is because they're dumb, right? How do you not be dumb? You learn from other people's mistakes. Well, no, that's not the answer because the dumbness in this instance well, applies I to the intellectual that. trigger. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the dumbness in this case applies to the intellectual trigger, which is not... There is no intellectual trigger. So how do you go from being dumb to having an intellectual trigger? How do you craft that intellectual trigger? Well, I don't. Well, I think there has to be an external, an external source that you're drawing from, whether it's someone telling you to your face or whether it's some sort of self-discovery because of a circumstance in your life. Okay. Yep. Because I feel like I like that because as soon as you start asking yourself, Hey, am I dumb? What do I need? You know, what's with being dumb? You, 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 you've triggered that intellectual trajectory. And that can be, you know, that's not really something that you can, um, that's almost like a chicken and egg thing, right? You can't actually choose to have an intellectual trigger or, to you know, trigger that journey because by choosing it, you've actually already begun it. <laughs> and by thinking about it, you've already begun it. It's just a question of when, if you then follow through on it. 
and mm-hmm. you know seek out sources of uh, wisdom and, and and knowledge and whatnot. So wake up, America, and whoever else. <laughs> um. Hmm. Okay. Cool. I like all that. I like that very much. A uh, different thing. The what are your thoughts on this uh, Andrew Tate guy? Because a few days ago or however long, you asked me, like, hey, have you heard of Andrew Tate? And I was like, I don't think mm-hmm. so. I guess maybe a little bit. And then I looked at him. I was like, okay, I might have heard his name. And then I saw a couple clips. As soon as we talked about it, right, I started getting 100 YouTube shorts for him. And, I, you know, who knows why, Google listening. Um, but, and I realized, oh, I've totally seen a few clips from him in the past. I just didn't know it was him because I didn't care. Um, but what uh what's kind of your take on mr tate since his uh a lot of his content's been going uh i won't say viral but has been pumped into the ether and distributed accordingly apparently because he's got some sort of uh something at hustle university i think in one of the ways it's kind of a pyramid scheme of some sorts apparently as one person described it and essentially it's like hey you make you know you uh make money and get not uh get uh What's it? Would get fame or get connection through it growing, and the way for it to grow is for you to take my content and send it out there. So a bunch of people are sending his content out there because they're actually a part of his uh, hustle university thing. Anyway, whatever. What's your take on him? He is. Uh, he's an interesting fellow. Uh, I. Uh, he. I think he's funny. He makes. He. I enjoy. I like the way he thinks, and I respect the. He says. He's wrong about a lot of things, and he says a lot of <laughs> dumb things. Yeah. So I'll just put that out there first. Um, he says some things that I agree with, and and I respect the climb. And he's yeah, he came up from literally nothing, so he he made something out of himself, and I respect that. Um, and I I do respect his hustle and 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 that element. Um, uh, he is the kind of person that I would like to have a conversation with because he says so many things that are like, that just are not accurate. And it's because everyone he's interacting with is not intelligent enough to challenge him on it. I find everyone he's talking to is at a low, well, I won't say a lower IQ level, but they don't know how to, the concepts that he's communicating, they don't know how to engage with him on. Yeah. They're not, they're not prepared for it. Yeah. So um, he, he's interesting and entertaining to listen to, though. Um, okay. And not everything he says is wrong. But, uh, um, but yeah, there, so that's kind of my take on him so far. Got it. Okay. Bug buzzing me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I started muting all of his channels that were giving me content because I, I was like, oh, dude, this is so dumb. <laughs> um, but... The first few clips, you're like, oh, hey, okay, okay. And then the first thing you get in, you're like, what in the world's going on? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I, yeah, one of my, I don't know, favorite things that I was saying, what in the world, too, was just, you know, he's, you know, he said he's, uh, what, does 30 million, he's worth 30 million in one clip I saw, and then another one, he's like, oh, 50 million or whatever. So who knows how many millions. But one of these like multiple streams of income. And one of them is, you know, I run a business and it's like, okay, what, well, tell me about your business. Yeah. The, the business is, 
you know, we have whatever, you know, 25 girls who are doing content on OnlyFans, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's your business? Yeah. <laughs> you just get a bunch of girls to go do whatever they do on OnlyFans and they'll makes money. And then you take a cut like that. So <laughs> what? That's not a business. I mean, I guess if you count making money as business, then it's business. But it's like, bro, you don't do anything. There's no work that goes into that. You just have girls that sign up. Maybe you give them a camera and they get started. Like, <laughs> what world? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. What? Bro, you know, build a real business. Don't just go out there and be like, no, go for real. <laughs> You're a pimp. Like, that's, like, that's barely a business. That's just. You know, stringing some things together um but anyway yeah <laughs> ridiculous gotcha okay yeah i was just curious because you know, i started seeing a literally a hundred things from him and <laughs> i'd follow up on it yeah i don't even know how he got into my feed so i just started watching shorts and he was there so. yeah 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 I, it was weird again i had nothing to do with it and then we send a text or two about it and i think i looked up his name and boom it started triggering it <laughs> but anyway yeah <laughs> did i tell you uh one of the things that i it's funny when i go back tell me if i, I mentioned this already on the pod but it's uh once in a while i'll go back right and i'll listen to a podcast or at least part of one or whatever and it's always strikes me how I talk pretty fast or I feel like I talk pretty fast on the pod. Mm -hmm. But whenever I'm talking, the fact of the, the fact is I probably have between five and 10 strings of ideas and sentences in different directions that I don't go into. And so when I'm talking, I'm talking, 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 I'm having five to 10 other thoughts that I'm trying to figure out, do I incorporate it? Do I not incorporate it? Do I say that? Do I not say that? Do I go over here? Do I go over there? Go over there, right? Just running in this constant like chaos, you know, it's not really chaos, but, and then I listen to the pod and it sounds, you know, I always expect it to sound like I'm just wildly out here flaming things. And I go back and listen to the pod. I'm like, oh, okay. That sounds like, you know, I sort of know what I'm trying to say or, you know, sounds like I know what I'm trying to say, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, if only people knew the, 50 things that went into that one one minute clip <laughs> it's uh it's weird do you ever go back and listen to the pod uh i i did like i think twice but only for like 10 15 seconds maybe um yeah. so not not really yeah i feel like it's i don't, don't want to go listen and be like oh wow you sound like an idiot and i don't have to like worry about it for a week or whatever yeah, but there's also a positive side of that where you go back and listen to it like, oh, I actually sounded okay. And it gives you more confidence and development for the next one. That's so true. it, it, it can yeah. fire both ways. Um, but I, I I usually don't do it just because I remember what we talked about and I kind of, you know, it's not, it's not going to bring any new revelations, at least pertaining to the content. It might bring one relative to, dang, you know, at least I sound like I know what I'm talking about versus you know having going around in the background yeah but <laughs> anyway those are all the notes i had uh i had for this week so nothing super special no other uh 
major themes. So you got a Frisbee game later. How was last week's Frisbee game? Last we played two games last week. Um, and they were actually really good games. We actually we lost one. Um, what do you mean? That's, that's not a good first, game. Just kidding. The first three weeks are practice. So after this week, the seeding starts, and then we play, and then the last day of the season, <clears throat> which is like the end of August, we have a tournament night. Um, so thankfully, these wins and losses don't count for the seeding, but we're still two and three, even in our practice games. So not doing too bad. Um, but yeah, they were really good games. Uh, the other, I think the first one was the one that we lost and the other team was, they were good. They had like two players in particular that kind of hard carried their team. Um, and so we could, we definitely could have beat them. We just, um, we didn't do, uh, well, I say we, there's two co-cap, there's two captains. Well, there's a captain and a co-captain that are running things. So I'm just a player on the team and I'm not like, I, and I, I felt good about the way that I played in both games. So, um, but I'm not super emotionally invested in, you know, if something's going wrong, it's not really in my hands and I'm not going to insert myself into a leadership position because they, they were, they're the captains and I don't really want to deal with that. Um, so, but the reason that we lost the first game is because we didn't, there were a couple points where we did not have our handlers on the field. So, five, seven people would go on the field and they were all, none of them could take like the leadership role necessary on the field to direct the Frisbee up the field. Um, and so that was like the largest mistake that we made. And we were also working on a couple different plays, um, which we, uh, we got worked out by the end of the day. Um, so it was still a good game and, and we played well. Um, that was just the biggest mistake. And, and our captain, he, he knew that that, he knew that that we would need to change that. Because I asked him about it at the end, and he was like, "Yeah, next 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 game we'll beat them for sure." Um, so I appreciated that at least he recognized that he recognized the issue, and that I think he wants to beat that team next time. So it's yeah. not some lackadaisical thing. And then the second game was good. We I think we won. It was like nine seven, so we won by two. Um, so it went the full hour. Yes. Yeah. Why are the games taking so long to get to? Is it just, well, is that normal? Well, it, I, I haven't played in so long, but. Well, they're games to 15. And it's, it's two, you play 215 or you cap at an hour, at yeah. 60 minutes. So, yeah, it's normal to go. It's rare to get to 15 before the hour's up, um, especially if you're against a team that's halfway decent. So. Okay. Uh, I know one of the things you were concerned about was having 19 people supposedly on the team. How many people are showing up and how is the subbing and whatnot working out? Yeah, actually, it's way better than I was expecting, thankfully. So uh, there's last week, uh, you know, it's games to 15. So that that's nice. So you get to play, you know, thankfully, it's not so like seven or anything. So the games are longer. So, yeah, last week was anywhere between like 12 and 15 people have been showing up, which is a pretty good number. Um, and it's seven on the field. Yeah. Seven on the field. So I got to play pretty much every other point. Um, and sometimes you'll play two points in a row. So that hasn't been an issue at all, which has been really nice. Um, I think it would be more of an issue if you were a girl, because there are, there are less, less girls. Like, so if you have a team that's got five girls and a team that's only got three girls, 
then that team that has three girls is going to run five, two. So five guys, two girls. So, so the subbing is not as ideal if, because there are just less women that they could be here apparently, or at least in this league. Yeah. 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 Okay. Gotcha. How do you guys do the subbing? Uh, it's a full seven. Yeah. So we, well, yeah, but I mean, run. how do you know who's in, who's out, who goes in, who comes out, blah, blah, blah. Uh, well, in the past, I mean, most of the games it's been, we've had like an even number of guys to go in and out. So that was pretty easy. Uh, and then it's basically just, if you really want to play hop on the field, um, or just make sure everyone's really good about it. So there's no specific structure to the summing. Okay. Um, and there really hasn't, there hasn't been a need for a specific structure since it's, we've been able to sub seven guys to seven guys or five guys to five guys. Yeah. Um, okay. So. Gotcha. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Where, uh, where do you guys play? Uh, two parks that are like 10 minutes from where I am. So nice. Oh yeah. Yeah. Speaking of what's the update on the car. Did you take it in? Uh, no, I'm actually dropping it off tonight. So they're taking a look at it tomorrow. Okay. Do you have work yeah. tomorrow? Yeah. I'm just going to Uber. Gotcha. And they so, do have rentals, but I have to be 25. So, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, you had a birthday recently. Happy birthday! Yeah, thank you, all the listeners. Happy yes. birthday in the chat. Exactly. Did uh, how was your uh, your uh, little uh, their birthday party thing? Oh, it was fun. Yeah, uh, just just small family, and then James and uh, Sam. Sam showed up. So. We, we, uh, James and I smoked a cigar after we had a nice, dad made really nice steak. Um, so it was a good evening. Nice. Nice. Uh, very cool. All right, man. Well, I think, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap up the episode. All right. Sounds good. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. I, uh, I'm behind on getting the other episodes up. They will be up by the time you're listening to this episode. So I suppose that doesn't actually matter. But, uh, Appreciate uh, appreciate the listeners. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, check us out. Leave us a review, rating, like buttons, comment, subscribe, blah, blah, blah. All of the stuff that you should do if uh, you care about moving the world forward in some way, or at least in the way that we're doing it. If not, well, I guess we're not the podcast for you. <laughs> All right. Take care, everybody. Appreciate, uh, appreciate every one of you.